What's up, party people? Welcome to this week's episode of Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at that handle on Twitter, or you can find me at Romancing Nancy on Twitter, either one or neither. It's fine. Uh, This month, I'll be doing a Patreon episode where I just completely bash the show because that's what people voted for, because y'all have weird priorities, but I love it. Oh my god. We are starting season 10. So we are back in the mystery stories in 1953. And today's episode is going to be based on the ringmaster's secret, which when I was thinking about this episode, I was like, if a character is mentioned in the title of the thing, is that character always going to be the villain? Because oh my god, it's I mean, how could you get any clearer? It's fucking ringmaster. Anyway, um, the cover of this one is mostly blue, actually. Nancy is wearing a fetching early 1950s shirt dress with her sleeves rolled up. She has like the slight wave to her hair with the flips at the ends, so it's not even quite shoulder length. And she is gazing over to her right, my left, with her blue eyes and her... I'm I'm gonna say that she is almost 100% blonde on this cover. Like this was pre... Oh, are you sure she's not a redhead? Um, So she's gazing over to the side. She is wearing the charm bracelet that's going to be such a big part of this and she's also carrying a purse which appears to be made out of some sort of straw material with the letter n on it which you're like good job this is never described in text i like how the cover artist is like surely she has her shit monogrammed as we have learned in previous episodes if you are going to drop shit at a crime scene make sure that shit is monogrammed she's also got like three daisies which are poking out of the collar of her collared shirt dress which I've got questions, but I actually don't want any answers. And the weird thing about her hips is that maybe she has some interesting pocket situations happening. Maybe some sort of bustle situation, but her purse is kind of hiding it. It's not a peplum. It's not that. Um, and, and it's belted, of course, with a belt that's exactly the same color as the rest of the fabric. Just just rocking it. It's also a sky blue, and it's also like past her knees. So I got some questions. Considering everything else she does in this fucking book, um, she is she has her arm out, and a girl. They are wearing the exact same shade of nail polish, as though perhaps they did some manipetties while they were having a sleepover. This girl has very dark hair that is. So she looks similar, like the hair coloring is similar to what George is usually depicted on with the cover. Um, she has also got her face made up. She's got those eyebrows tweezed and she has, she's wearing what looks like like a traditional ballerina outfit where she's got like the sweetheart neckline and the spaghetti straps. Her tutu looks very feathery though, which kind of makes sense given everything else. It's of course an extremely short skirt, but of course it's going to be. They are both glancing back and looking apprehensive about the titular ringmaster who is peeking out at them from behind a lion's cage on wheels. That's how you know it's going to be good. Um, The lion is baring its teeth and growling, and that's going to be important later for reasons. It's a Chekhov's tiger lion. Um, Yeah, there's like a bucket and this weird sort of, I don't, oh, okay, that's a post that a rope is tied to, to hold up something that we can't see offstage. Um, There's like a blue sky behind them. There's a really big green main tent behind them. But the only people that you can see are Nancy, the dark-haired girl, who is approximately her height and age, and the ringmaster, who is rocking a shiny top hat with a red cravat situation happening, and he's got a black coat on, and he he doesn't, like, you can't even make out his facial expression, really. You can see that he's got, like, the pencil mustache that, that foreign villains will have, and 
like some dark eyebrows and that's about all you can make out from him like he's like guess who's got a lion and is not afraid to use it and he ain't just spoiler alert so yeah so or if, if you're like so is nancy rocking a circus again fuck yeah she's rocking a circus again that's the shit that she is here for my book actually this is fun this book was originally published in 1953 it was updated later but the the internal inscription says christmas 1968 age 11 so out there there is some person who was born in 1957 ish who was like i'm missing a nancy drew book it was given to lucy from aunt betsy uncle ed susan and cheryl in christmas 1968 i love it anyway so this one opens actually with nancy getting the mail she is dressed for her writing class and you're like so you're talking like a classy she's gonna be wearing a riding habit she's gonna be maybe eastern maybe she's gonna be doing some western stuff maybe she's gonna be doing some english formal writing we just do not know fuck you for all your assumptions because guess what bitch is doing some trick riding like she's going to learn how to trick ride a horse apparently this has been going on for months which again the weird time dilation of this series where it's like okay is are all years years is it like Groundhog Day, where her 18th birthday, she wakes up and everything is fresh and new again. She has no recollection of what happened during her previous iteration of 18. She doesn't know, because again, the books are coming out once a year at this point. Uh, she's slender and attractive. Again, Nancy is never described as like breathtakingly beautiful, which, I mean, I'm here for that shit. But anyway, um, so she's talking to Hannah. Hannah's like, I really don't like the fact that you are trick riding. And Nancy's like, guess what? Still gonna do it though. Um, Nancy's going through the mail when she sees that there was a letter and a mystery package from New York. This is fucking page one. Like, I love that anytime that the post, whoever is operating from the post office comes by, they're like, I think it's going to be a mystery package. I hope it's not ticking this time. Oh, my God. Anyway, so um, Aunt Eloise actually sent Nancy this because, as you know, Nancy lives either 45 minutes or four hours from New York at all times. Anyway, so Aunt Eloise told Nancy that she was going to be sending her a package, and the shopkeeper who purchased it while on a buying trip in Europe, I love it, it's so general and vague, I want to go on a buying trip in Europe, said it had been presented to a woman circus performer by a queen who loved horses. I love it. She's a horse girl, but also wearing a crown. For some unknown reason, the performer had to sell it, but would not reveal her true identity. According to the story, however, she needs help badly, as in the circus performer, not the queen. Or maybe both. I don't know. Um, Nancy paused, and Hannah's like, I guess you're going to try to find this troubled circus performer. And Nancy's like, have we met? She's like, that's what you always do. And I'm like, I'm glad that you were on the same page about this, Hannah. Stop being a bitch about it. Um, it's an exquisite gold bracelet with five horse charms on it that apparently is the bracelet that was given to from horse enthusiast to other horse enthusiast. So it's got a space for a sixth charm, which is apparently missing, but Nancy looks at them and each horse is displaying a different gait, which I love that they know that because I would be like, it's cute and its legs are slightly different. But anyway, so Nancy's excited about it. There's no initials. There, there's no nothing on it that really indicates who could have, you know, either the giver or the recipient, anything like that. But Nancy decides that she's going to wear it. And her writing classes are with Signor Roberto, who used to be with, as you know, Sims Circus, because I love how we have a bunch of local circuses. I also love that any circus, there should be like some sort of bolo or some sort of hobo code for circuses where they're like, if you're up to some shit and you go to River Heights, Nancy's going to catch your ass. Like, 
Are you some sort of roving band of performers? Do you do some like Shakespeare? She's gonna nail you. Like, just know it. Maybe avoid River Heights. But anyway, so he, uh, Senor Roberto, used to be with some circus. So Nancy's like, oh, maybe he will have some idea because the circus is near town and, and blah, blah. Because, of course, circus performers. And, of course, if you have any local circus, they're going to be the ones who are involved. It's fine. So this is the fucking creepiest thing. Like, they're talking about the circus. And then, um, you bet it is, comes a voice from behind them. Nancy and Hannah turn around to see a, a charming little six-year-old boy with red hair and freckles who was like, hey. He's like, Nancy, you promised to take me to the circus. And Nancy's like, that's right. We're going to leave at five o'clock tomorrow morning, fucker. <laughs> I love it. That's very early. Are you sure you'll be up? And he was like, you bet. I'll see you at five. My question was, what sort of blackmail does Teddy have on Nancy that he's like, I've seen Ned sneaking out of your room at three o'clock in the morning. You're going to take me to the fucking circus and buy me ever. I don't, I don't know. Anyway. But yeah, the, the charming little toddler runs away and Nancy's like, okay, please put the bracelet away from me. I don't want to break it because I'm going to go do trick riding on a pony for absolutely no fucking reason. Like, again, I was like, maybe the senior center outreach was like, I don't know. The trick riding seems a bit dangerous for our various seniors. And Nancy was like, I will take this one for the team. She's apparently been keeping a secret from everybody, except for Hannah, of course, who sees her leaving the house wearing riding clothes. And everybody else who was like, what is, I I guess Nancy just has a mystery at a weird place with horses. It's fine. Uh, As soon as Nancy pulls up, she sees Hitch, who is the stable guy who greets her in his usual glum manner, who, I mean, sure, sure, why wouldn't he be glum? It's fine. The boss ain't here. If you know it's good for you, mister, you'll stay away from circus riding. And Nancy's like, I'm I'm not doing circus riding. He's like, you're doing tricks on horses. That's like the definition of circus riding. And Nancy's like, that's not, he's like, you need to stop it right now. And Nancy just stares at him and is like, misogynist much? Like, what the fuck? What do you, what right do you have to tell me what the fuck to do with my time, bitch? Nobody what ain't been brought up in a circus has got any right to try imitating circus folks. That's a direct quote. A complete with dropping G's. So, suddenly, Senor Roberto is walking up and Hitch is like, never mind, bye. So, he leaves to go get Nancy's horse, who is named Belgian Star, who is a beautiful gray horse, who loves Nancy, because, of course, Nancy is friend to all animals. <laughs> She's a fucking Disney princess, bitch. Anyway, so they do the uh, horse things with words like trot and canter. Um, yeah. Um, the weird thing is that like they've been practicing Nancy like standing on something and the horse coming by and Nancy jumping onto its fucking back, bareback. Like, again, I've got so many questions. Is she training for some sort of weird Olympics activity? We don't fucking know. It's fine. The next moment after Nancy has jumped onto the horse's back, a rock comes at the horse's damn head, and the horse startles, of course, and throws Nancy to the ground. And Senior Roberto is like, oh, fuck! And Nancy's like, what the shit? Is the horse okay? And Senior Roberto is like, you fell off a fucking horse! And Nancy's like, yeah, but somebody threw a rock at the horse. And so they go check out the horse who has run back to his stable. Um... Hitch, the misogynist stable guy, is nowhere near them. But whenever they come up and they're like, hey, is the horse okay? And he's like, yeah, the the horse seems to be fine. And Nancy's like, 
why is there dirt on your clothes? Because she spotted somebody that was, that appeared to be wearing an old hat and an old coat laying in the dirt next to the place where she was doing her riding. And she's pretty sure that person threw the rock. And she's like, all signs point to you, bitch. And he's like, I saw somebody nearby and they looked shifty and I got scared and ran. And Nancy's like, I don't believe any of that, bitch. But anyway, it's fine. So she just leaves it with Senior Roberto to deal with. She's like, hey, you know, I mean, if you want to tear his ass up, you do it. But anyway, they're like, there's nothing we can do. We can't disprove his story. We don't have security cameras. <laughs> anyway, so it's fine. Um, Nancy asks, oh, actually, just then, like, George and Bess run out of the woods. And Nancy's like, hey, and I have questions. What were y'all doing in the woods? They never really explain. Bess has apparently decided that um, she, Bess, Marvin, blonde, blue-eyed, and several pounds heavier than Nancy. Usually, I would be like, stop this fucking shit, but this is actually slightly important later. I would say, like, not crucial to the story, but okay, it's fine. Um, so Bess is like, I want to sketch you. And Nancy's like, how, how long you been into sketching Bess? And Bess is like, since this morning. And you're like, of course, like anything that they want to do. They, they have the matrix. They have the intersect loaded up in their heads and it's fine. They're just like, I want to learn Kung Fu. Guess what, bitch? Anyway. Um, so yeah, they didn't know that Nancy had gone riding. Hannah told them that Nancy had gone riding. So that's when they came to see her. Um, So Nancy's like, let me show off. And so she rides around and they're like, this is so cool. And George actually does get to ride some um, because George is like, this seems really cool. And Senor Roberto is like, you would be good at this. Like if you decided to set your mind to it and do some training, like you, you could really pull this off because George, of course, is like, fuck yeah. And Bess is like, horses are for looking at, which again, at all times, in all ways, except for having sex with soap opera stars, I am Bess Marvin. Anyway. So, um, Nancy asks if Senor Roberto has ever seen anything like the bracelet. He's like, uh, I don't remember ever seeing it, but I seem to remember some story. I don't, I don't know. I just don't know. This, I don't know. That's fine. The next morning, Nancy takes Teddy to go watch the big circus tent we put up because apparently there's like a lot of people who are gathered to watch this because again i guess most people did not have televisions in their homes in 1953 and they just did not have a lot of shit going on so they're there to watch the circus tent be raised at five o'clock in the fucking morning and of course um nancy looks over teddy gets away from nancy because george has walked in with her niece I'm sorry, nephew. I'm sorry, nephew. And I was like, what the shit? How does George have a nephew? Because, again, the the presence of a nephew implies heavily that George has siblings, which is, like, very sporadically, if at all, referred to. Like, in one book, she'll have maybe a sibling or two, and then in the next book, it's like, this never happened. It's very strange. Like, so canonically, like because it's all over the place, there's never been any, like, established, like, yes, George has an older brother named Block. No, like, mm, everything got real weird. But so there's no actual reference to what this nephew's name is or whose child it is. And I was like, maybe, maybe George is an honorary aunt. I mean, I'm fine with that. And then later, like, George and Bess are together and the toddler is referred to as George's nephew. So not Bess's. Anyway, anyway. So, some shit is falling on the ground. Teddy's nearby. Nancy's like, Teddy, run! 
Brandon, of course, said he's almost killed by falling stuff. And Nancy's like, you scared the shit out of me. Hold my hand. And he's like, I will hold your hand. I will hold your hand. So anyway. And then Teddy's like, I'm hungry. Can we buy a hot dog? And Nancy's like, it's five o'clock in the fucking morning, hon. And of course, the cafeteria tent has been set up. And he's like, They're, they got food in there. And Nancy's like, that ain't for you, bitch. They set up concessions for the non-circus people. And they ain't done it yet. Just, just chill. We'll get you something on the way home. We will hit through a drive through Anyway, um, so they, the, there's a guy who is being a complete dick, of course. And Nancy asks who that is. Um, let's see. He, oh, Teddy's near the cafeteria tent, and the guy just walks by and is like, get out of my way, and just shoves Teddy to the side. And Teddy's like, I don't like that man. And Nancy's like, same, girl, same. But it's, of course, let's see. Let me find his description. The man was tall. And wore a rather long mustache. Not on the cover, hun. His black hair stood straight up. Interesting. Good, interesting choices. And his eyes flashed. On one arm was a large blue and red tattoo mark. Was it a skull and crossbones? Damn it. Anyway, is he one of the freaks? Teddy asked loud enough for the man to hear. The little boy had never seen a tattoo. I'm going to call bullshit on that. Y'all got... you. The place is lousy with World War II veterans. Y'all seen some tattoos. It's fine. Um, the man stopped short, turned and glared at the youngster, then pointing a menacing finger at him, he exclaimed, Get out of here! And Teddy's like, Ah! Which, appropriate. Teddy, you need to get the fuck away from this dude. So, his name is Reinhold Kroon. Reinhold. I was like, Reinhold is reading as real German to me. Kroon is interesting. With a K. Is kind of interesting because, again, crooning to sleep. Interesting. Lulling people into a false sense of security. Yes. Okay. Anyway. um, He used to be a horseman. He's in charge of the whole circus. It's... Okay. Here is my overarching theory. The ghostwriter for this one, which I did not look up, but I believe is Mildred Wirt Benson. I believe based on zero evidence, possibly negative evidence, that um, Mildred Wirt Benson ran into L. Ron Hubbard, the proprietor of Scientology. Of course, at this point, Scientology was not yet a thing. It would have been Dianetics, but anyway, so I believe that Mildred Wirt Benson ran into L. Ron Hubbard. She was exposed to his peculiar version of idiocy, and she was like, you're going to be the villain in all my books. So, Reinhold Kroon is L. Ron He'll be Elrond from here on out. Um, because the people at the circus are like, he can be really, really nice to people, and he can also be a complete dick to people. And he's, his rules don't really make a lot of sense, and he's just deeply into making money, and we just hate him. And Nacy's like, why don't you leave? And they're like, I mean, we don't make much money, but, you know, our food and our boarding and everything is pretty much provided for. So, also, what, what the fuck else are we going to do? And I'm like... I like how it's 1953 post-World War II America, and they're like, I mean, what else are we going to do? Like, it's, it's really fascinating to me. Nancy does not actually form many relationships with people at the circus, despite the fact that she spends 87% of this novel at the circus. But it's, it is kind of fascinating to me. It's like, you know, my family always did this. This is what we always this is what I know. This is where I feel comfortable. And I'm like, I feel that. I feel that so fucking hard in this year of our pandemic 2022. But anyway, um, Nancy takes Teddy home. There's breakfast. She talks to her dad, um, who, well, actually her dad has not yet returned because Carson is AWOL for like 98% of this novel. They spend like two seconds together. But anyway, um, let's see. The one of the women at the circus is like, oh, you can ask Mr. Crean about the the bracelet. And Nancy's like, no, thank you. Bye. So 
The next thing they do is apparently the entire circus comes to town at like nine o'clock in the morning to do a fucking parade as like, you know, cross marketing, which is interesting. So everybody there's, they have to go like four blocks to find a space to, because there's hundreds of people who are turned out to see it because again, what the fuck else are they going to be doing? So the band comes up. Nancy, of course, is with Teddy. Um, George comes by and is there. Um, they see there's of course elephants there's men and women in costumes and everything um and then there's cinderella in a gold carriage and nacy's like she's the main attraction in the circus i understand her name is lolita she does a very daring aerial act so she's a trapeze artist asterisk okay so of course i looked up lolita the Nabokov book came out in 1955, so this would not have been the reference for that, because then I was like, okay, does Lolita always mean what Nabokov said it did? No. Like, Nabokov basically reinvented Lolita for this. Lolita is the diminutive of Lola, and that makes sense based on this novel. So it's just, like, basically daughter of Lola for this, or little Lola. So, um, Lolita has dark hair. She is not smiling when she's seeing people. She's waving, but she's not smiling. She looks sad. Teddy's like, she looks like Cinderella after her care turned into a pumpkin. And Nancy's like, I don't know why she's upset. So Teddy, that little jackass actually like just jumps up onto the carriage, opens the door and invites himself in. And so the, the Lolita is like, I, I oh, I thought it was kind of cute when Nancy, of course, comes in there and is like, I'm so sorry that this child who I am no relation to came and barged into your carriage thing float event thing and lolita's like no that's cool it was cool teddy's like why are you so sad um she said you've heard how happy unhappy the real cinderella was because she lost her prince haven't you well i guess i'm sad for the same reason teddy's like okay and just like keeps looking at people and nancy's like oh okay so then of course the ringmaster comes up and is like what the fuck and pulls teddy out like bodily and nancy's like i was here to whatever Anyway, Nancy's like, this guy's just a complete dick. So they go to the actual, perf- they go to the circus that afternoon. So Nancy, Bess, and George, Teddy, everybody. Nancy's wearing her horse bracelet. This is when she's wearing her aspa- attractive blue sports dress. Anyway, with along with her monogram purse, which we're not told about. Um, so there's a little tattered hobo. The clowns come by. There are two dressed in Piro clown suits. One carried a tall ladder. You know, they do all that. And one of them sees Nancy, is close enough that he can see her bracelet and is like, I must speak to you after the show. Please meet me beside King Cat's cage. Double K's. Know that. Um, so it's a Pietro clown. I don't know if he says that his name is Pietro. I don't I don't remember exactly. But anyway, but he's referred to as Pietro for the rest of this, so this is not like his clown name. Um, so, Nancy keeps the appointment. She goes to stand next to the... Oh, I'm sorry, but before that, Lolita actually comes out. Lolita is playing Cinderella, so she does her act. But in the middle of her act, she actually faints and falls into the netting underneath. And Nancy, everybody in the crowd is like, oh, shit, but she's okay. Like... She gets own she's like, I don't I don't feel good. And of course the ringmaster, who is Lolita's adopted father, is like, Get your ass up, you're embarrassing me, like, oh my god. And she's like, I just feel really bad right now. Anyway, so and then they're like, She has another performance later. She's like, I don't think I can do it. And he's like, Shut the fuck up. So anyway, Nancy's like, Okay, I my purpose here is definitely to liberate this girl from this sitch. So that's what I'm here for. 
Nancy tells to Pietro, um, who says Lolita wears a horse charm on a necklace and it matches the charms on the bracelet. And he noticed the one is missing. And I'm like, I love that at a glance, you were like, look, an identical horse charm. Also, I see that there's space for another. Like, I got some questions, but anyway, it's fine. Um, Pietro refuses to take Nancy to Lolita because he's like, she's resting for a performance. Nobody's going to do that. But Pietro says that Lolita is Mr. and Mrs. Croon's adopted daughter. She lived with them since she was eight years old, which was about 10 years ago. Um, let's see. Have the Croons and Lolita always been in the circus? Nancy asked. The clown nodded and said that Lolita's own parents had been trapeze artists. They were known as the Flying Flanders, he explained. I'm told they were very fun performers. What were their names? Nancy questioned. Because, of course, she's... If Lolita has a horse charm and Nancy's trying to track down the owner of the horse charm bracelet, then, mm, makes sense. Uh, their names were John and Lola Flanders. Ah. But, again, he already, she already knows that that's the parents' names. So, Lola, then Lolita. I never knew them, the clown went on. The story was that when Lolita was eight years old, her parents were killed in Europe while fly- while, while performing their flying act. It was then that the Croons brought Lolita to the United States. So, um, yeah, Pietro hates the ringmaster, but he doesn't really talk to Nancy about it yet. Um, let's see. Yeah, Lolita got the horse charm when she was five. That was 13 years ago, so she's 18 now. So, yeah. Um, they see the ringmaster, Pietro hauls ass. I enjoy it. It's nice. Um, Nancy has a date with Ned later, so she goes to, at seven o'clock, Ned Nickerson, you know that I'm going to read this shit aloud to you. At seven o'clock, Ned Nickerson, Emerson College's star football player. I like that he plays every single fucking sport, but they're like, but the one you're interested in is football, and I guess they ain't wrong. Arrived at the Drew home, Nancy showed him her gold horse bracelet. I love that Ned's like, I love when you receive jewelry that I did not give you in anticipation of our eventual engagement. No, it's fine. Um, and told him of the new mystery. And then she asked him if he would take her to the circus. Glad to. He grinned. And I'm like, he knows he knows how to get time with his girl. But listen here, young lady, Ned said, don't get yourself so mixed up with clowns and aerialists that you can't even find time to talk to me. Nancy chuckled, but she knew Ned had good reason to scold her. I don't, I don't like any of that wording. Many times when they had a date, she changed the plans completely and involved him in some mystery she was trying to solve. That's 100% accurate. You ain't wrong about that. Um, Lolita's the most wonderful aerialist I've ever seen, Nancy remarked. And it's like, I can't, I just can't wait to see her. I think I'll hire myself out as one of those princes. And Nancy made a face at him. I love that she's like... Don't you dare, bitch. Um, they go to buy tickets. They're told that the entire show is sold out. Um, Nancy says, well, can we at least, like, go into the tent and see kind of the side performances? And the ticket guy's like, I mean, I guess not. I guess it's okay. But anyway. So Nancy decides to try to find where Lolita is. Um, she talks to a few different members of the circus who are all like, we can't, we can't talk about Lolita. We're, we're not allowed to. She eventually tracks her down because she's pretty sure that Lolita would probably be in one of the trailers. Um, when she comes up, she hears Lolita telling her adoptive father, like, I don't think I can do it. And he's like, you will do it, bitch. And um, he says, I'll discharge every single friend of yours in the circus if you don't do it. Like, I will I will actually fire their asses. So, anyway. Nancy comes in. She sees Lolita. Lolita just knows from looking at Nancy because, again, Nancy, friend to all animals, actual living Disney princess, walks in. And Lolita's like, oh, shit, you're here to save me. And Nancy's like, girl, yes. Anyway, so Nancy holds up the bracelet. And she's like, I heard that you had a horse that looked like this. And Lolita's like, Yes. Your bracelet may have belonged to my lovely mother, said Lolita. Sadly, she died when I was only eight years old, but I remember very well how she looked. Um, so, Lolita says that she's not sure if her parents are actually dead, and Nancy's like, 
catnip. So anyway, uh, Lolita actually has box tickets. So she calls a guy named Dan to her trailer and Dan Webster, who is one of the horse trailers and uh, has them give away like the house tickets, the ones that go to VIPs. Um, and Nancy mentions to Dan that she's been taking lessons with Senor Roberto and he's like, Oh my God, I love him. I'm going to come tomorrow morning and see him. So anyway, she, Nancy left Ned in the big tent watching a fire eater who is now eating an ice cream sandwich, which of course I was like, I'm having a love affair with this ice cream sandwich. But, um, he was like, my mouth was feeling like it was on fire after watching that. So ice cream sandwich. And Nancy's like, you're adorable. Let's go sit down. So they're sitting in the suit in the seats watching the performance and everything when Nancy suddenly feels something behind her start to fucking choke her. So somebody wraps something around the back of her neck. Nancy's choked. She's trying to like fight off the person. Ned does not notice this shit because Ned is deeply into the circus performance that is happening before them. Um, she reaches out toward Ned finally right before she faints and Ned's like, fucking hell! Aghast. He caught her and quickly unwound the cord that was wrapped around her neck just before she blacked out. Oh, she does faint. Nancy, Nancy, he whispered. What? Who? She gave a tremulous gasp, and a slight tremor ran through her body, and I'm like, me, this is why I can find gay subtext and everything, is because I read their scenes so deeply, so very carefully, to see if there's any hint whatsoever that, that maybe some shit happened. Anyway, um, Ned massaged her neck and arms, and I'm like, keep going. Let's, let's just go find an unoccupied trailer for reasons. Um, in a few minutes, her breathing became normal again, and I'm like, because he just kept going, huh? No, it's fine. Uh, Nancy sat up, looked around her, clutched at her throat. There was no cord on it. Uh, Ned asks if it's okay. She's like, did I... There's no way I fucking imagined that. I think it's interesting that she has a second of doubt about it. Like, maybe I was just choking for no reason. I'm like, does Nancy experience panic attacks? Does Nancy have some PTSD happening? I'm... I would like to know about that. That's interesting. But anyway, they see like a souvenir whip. I love that the circus is giving out fucking souvenir whips. Anyway, so they see that, and that's apparently the thing that somebody was using to try to choke her out. Um, They don't see anything. There's, like, nobody saw anything. They just noticed some, some guy get into the box, so. Um, Nancy asks about the whip uh, at one of the souvenir. He's like, Wait, I, haven't, I haven't sold any of these all like nobody's been interested in it uh they watched lolita's act lolita told nancy that she had been feeling really really bad but knowing that nancy is going to look for her mom like that's making her feel much better and again um nancy everything that nancy is told says that the father was killed outright like so she she doesn't believe that there's a chance that she'll find the father but it seems like she's going to find the mother which again is deeply fascinating for these books because it's like helping female relatives usually reconnect with female relatives, which I love. But anyway, um, so they, they fit the shoe on. Ned's like, this is fantastic. I love it. Um, and Lolita blows a kiss to Nancy because she's like, you're my, you're my homie now. And Nancy's like, I love it. This is the best. Um, after Lolita has finished, Ned's like, Hey, they can't top that. You ready to go? Let's go look for your strangler. I, they're so super fucking casual about this. Also, I love the idea and hate the idea that anytime that a serial killer is like active in the Illinois area slash the Midwest, they're like, you know what? I'm going to need to go attempt to kill Nancy Drew. It's as though she's like catfishing them at all times. She's like, hey, I'm going to be at the circus. I'm just saying. And so Ned's like, let's go find the current serial killer who's after you. Um, 
plot twist. Mm. Mm. Anyway. Or a crackfic idea. Anyway. Um, oh, hilariously, they go to the ticket box to find out if somebody else, the ticket counter, to find out if somebody else bought a ticket to their box. Um, and they said it's a house box. It's always kept for special people like the mayor. I understand some well-known couple used it tonight. The rest of the seats in the box were vacant. Nancy suppressed a smile at the words, quote, some well-known couple. I love it. Like, they are the golden couple. They are the MVPs of any event. Nancy's going to be crowned if there's a crown to be given. And Ned, it's a given, is going to get that shit. So, anyway. She's like, yes, we are a well-known couple. Nothing. It's fine. I love it. So... Um, let's see. Pietro had been taken suddenly ill, quote, um, Nancy sends him a note to ask if he can possibly, like, meet her in the morning and bring Lolita if they possibly can. Um, Ned now insisted that the rest of the evening be spent doing something that had no relation to the mystery, and I was like, bitch, you know where my mind's at. Nancy laughingly agreed, you know she did, and they joined a group of friends at Best Marvin's home. It was late when Nancy reached her own house and said goodnight to Ned. Okay, that... I didn't leave anything out of that passage. Please understand that I want to write a missing scene there where Ned's like, I must reassure myself that you're okay. I need to check your neck and also the rest of your body. And Nancy being like, I'll allow it. Anyway, um, she pulls her dress over her head when she's getting ready for bed. And you're like, was Ned? No, no. She had, she had said goodnight to Ned, but maybe she had been like nightcap. I don't know. Anyway, it's fine. Um, but she found a note that fell out of her dress, a small folded sheet of paper. Stay away from the circus and everybody in it. Okay, so Nancy rereads the warning and is like, so somebody tried to choke my ass out, clearly did not choke me to the point of death, and then slid a warning note into my dress somewhere. Like, all sorts of bullshit. Of course I shan't pay any attention, she resolved. (laughs) Fuck you, note giver. Anyway. Um, she got up early the next day, went to her writing lesson. Dan Webster, the guy from the night before who was the horse trainer at the circus, comes to see her writing. Um, the, this is the, um, she had learned how to somersault from the back of the fucking horse. Like, I've, I've got several questions. Hi, I'm Nancy Drew and welcome to Jackass is basically what's happening now. So, um, Dan Webster is like, if anything should go wrong in one of the, our bareback acts on the circus, I'll call you on you to replace the writer. How about it? And Nancy just laughs because she's like, surely not. Like she saw them perform and she was like, man, they're doing fantastic. And she's like, I'm, I'm not at that level. And he's like, you basically are bitch. Um, and he's like, I'm serious. I'm, I'm not joking. You do these trick bareback stunts as well as many writers in the circus. Like, you know, she's not, she's not a professional there's a point later where some people who actually do this professionally are like, yeah, you are doing fantastic for a fucking amateur. Like, and I do like that. I like that it's not like, oh, I would have thought you were born in the saddle. Like, anyway, so it's, or, or off the saddle. Um, anyway, um, senior Roberto meets with Dan Webster. He's like, since you left, um, and Nancy talks to him about why he left and senior Roberto is like, I just really fucking do not get along with L. Ron Hubbard. So just saying. Um, every, the morale is down at the circus. Everybody's like, Scientology sucks, y'all. We're on the free winds and it sucks. Um, anyway, so, um, let me think. I'm, cause I'm, I'm trying to go a little bit faster during this section because like, they're just going over everything. The circus folks both admire and hate L. Ron Hubbard. To some of us, it doesn't make much difference. We do our work and go our way. We don't earn much money. That's true. But when you get to be my age and you've been in a circus all your life, you don't think about money. The circus takes care of you, and if you have a place to sleep and get three meals a day, the rest doesn't count. Fat. 
fascinating. I also like this tiny socialist experiment. Um, okay. Um, it's, okay, Nancy's like, why do the circus people hate and fear Croon? Elrond. Um, it's hard to say, Mr. Croon is one of those people who seems to hypnotize everyone around him. Elrond. He orders them to do impossible things, and somehow or other they do them. Again, Scientology. Take Lolita, for instance. I know that girl well. Actually, she's scared to death to get up where it's high, but every time her father adopted insists she goes ahead and does it. Again, okay, because Lolita did not exist at this time as the Nabokov novel, like, the weird thing is that the the weird parallels between where, like, she was eight years old, Croon adopted her, became her dad, like, is really controlling aggressive abusive etc where you're like is there some sort of and i mean if you squint you can find that shit in anything there doesn't seem to be any like real textual basis for that but it's it's really fucked up and plus this is the daughter of um two extremely well-known circus performers so it's well within that group so it's like she's she's got cachet attached to who she is and it seems like he just wanted her for that cachet not necessarily for any attribute that she necessarily has so um nancy's like what about the owner of the circus and sims because it's sims circus um that person actually takes owners from the from elrond hubbard and they're like well and you're like this feels like it will be important later because it is anyway the thing that nancy finds out um Webster, Dan Webster, who has come to see her, is like, yeah, I think that Lolita and Pietro are into each other, like, but Kroon is not interested in Lolita having her own life, so, and, uh, he says, I'm afraid Kroon and the circus would fold up if Lolita should ever leave, like, she is the main draw, so, and so their livelihood kind of depends on her, which creates a really terrible power dynamic where nobody's gonna want to upset him or her, but also they can't let her leave, so, um, the thing that they decide to do, a somersault across the horse's back while it's moving is the stunt that he wanted to make sure that she's able to do. So she actually, she figures out how to time it and everything. Um, she actually puts on a padded jacket and hat. And I'm like, I love that before this, you fucking weren't. Like, holy crap. You had decided that you were like, I'm just going to freestyle all this shit that could clearly like result in a spinal cord injury and kill me. So Nancy's just fucking kicking ass at it when Bess and George come up and they, of course, gasp because they're like, holy shit. But, which almost throws Nancy's timing off and she's like, how about if I'm in mid stunt, you don't gasp? Just saying. And anyway, so they're watching and George is like, that looks fucking awesome. And Bess is like, maybe don't do that. Like, although in a previous book, of course, Bess proves that she's able to ride a horse fine. Like, there's, there's no big deal. It's weird how, like, Bess is just, like, competent at most most of the sports that nancy and george play she's like i mean i'm fine it's fine i can do that and it's like completely not fucking remarked upon because it's like nancy is so fucking over the top about everything that in comparison to her like everybody's like well i mean why would i even talk about it so anyway um when she gets home, Hannah has made a fucking souffle and is like, let's go ahead and sit down and eat. And of course, there's a knock at the door and Hannah's like, son of a bitch, we need to eat the souffle right now. And Nancy's like, we have visitors. The souffle will be fine. Anyway, so it's Lolita and Pietro, who Nancy does not recognize because they're in normal human being street clothes. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. And they're like, hey, it's us, the people from the circus. So they come in and Lolita's like, I would like to, pr- to introduce my fiance, Pietro. And Nancy's like, 
oh shit, shit has escalated. And they have literally an hour ago decided that they wanted to get married. So I love it. They're going to run away and get married though. Um, Lolita says there are two obstacles. One is my father. He would never consent to the marriage, even though I'm like, you're fucking 18. So mm, what's the other problem? And she says that, um, Lolita says she wants to learn more about her own mother and father before she gets married. And Nancy's like, oh, okay, sure. Uh, I'm, I'm 100% here for that. That's cool. Um, Lolita tells Nancy that, um, Pietro, Pietro's father is also a circus, but like everybody at the fucking circus apparently has relatives who are in the circus. So, um, Lolita had been talking to Pietro. Pietro's father was a retired clown. During his career, he had been with the Sims, but before that, he had performed in Europe with the same circus that the Flying Flanders had. So he knew my mother and father, Lolita spoke of, and he told Pietro that the Croons never really adopted me. According to Mr. Croon, Pietro went on. Lolita's parents were badly injured during their trapeze act. They were taken to a hospital and died. At that time, the Croons took Lolita away. Just this morning, I had a letter from my father, who lives in England, saying that he had attended a circus outside the town of Tewkesbury. While looking through a pair of field glasses at the crowd, he had seen a woman he was sure was Lolita's mother. And Lolita, of course, is like, this is fantastic. The clown said his father had hurried toward the woman, but she had disappeared before he could reach her. Later, he had inquired in the town, but no one he had spoke to had ever heard of a Lola Flanders. So, um, Pietro, after he heard about this, went to Elrond, and Elrond was like, what the fuck? Shut up! Because, of course... He has kidnapped Lolita to be in the Sea Org, and so it, and she apparently did not sign any formal documentation. So he does not want any reminders of the parents are out there and may want their children back. Just saying. Fuck it. Anyway. So, uh, he's forbidden the, the engaged couple to even talk to each other. Um, so it's just real, real bad. Nancy's like, Okay, so I'm going to get my dad to call his contacts in England because, of course, Carson Drew has a vast spy network that covers all corners of the globe, and so he knows plenty of people. So she says, I'll get him to contact somebody he knows in England to see if they can track down maybe where your mom could be. So, of course, now she's really excited about it. Nancy goes to the circus and goes to find Mrs. Croom because she's heard that she's a little bit more understanding like she doesn't seem to be as much of a psychotic bitch as l ron hubbard is so she's like oh look at this cute horse bracelet i'm wearing i've heard that you are interested in the circus did you know can you tell me anything about your adopted daughter and she's like how the fuck did you get in here please leave and so yeah um, so Nancy talks to other circus performers and they're like, yeah, we've, we've heard that Lolita's parents might still be alive or at least her mom. We, we just don't know. Everything seems real, real weird, real, real weird. So, um, Nancy of course goes to watch the performance of the, the horseback riding and because you knew this was going to fucking happen, somebody throws, let's see. I don't, I don't know if they, it was a whip. It was a whip like the one that Nancy had been injured with. Um, so somebody in the crowd throws a whip. It hits one of the horse's noses and the rider on that horse is thrown and injures her ankle. Her name is Rosa. And you're like, of fucking course, as though you knew it would happen, Dan Webster. So Dan Webster, of course, goes to see Nancy and he's like, hey, um... Do you think you could fill in for her? And Nancy's like, son of a bitch. Anyway. Um, let's see. Nancy had noticed that Chief McGinnis was in the crowd. He was in the, the special house box. So she runs over to him. Um, and she, I think, 
can't remember if she saw Hitch in the crowd. I think it's possible that she saw Hitch in the crowd. But because she did see, she does see Hitch a few times at the circus because, of course, Hitch was a person at the circus. Um, so it makes some sense that he might be there to, like, see people of Uno or whatever. Um, Nancy, does, because she remembers that Hitch had told her that she needed to stop writing, and she she also thinks that Hitch is a misogynist, even though she never uses the word. So she's like, I wonder if it's possible that Hitch has, that maybe Hitch tried to strangle me, that maybe because he doesn't like the fact that I'm at the circus at all, maybe he threw the rock that hit my horse, maybe he threw the whip that hit that horse, like, just being a total dick to everybody. So Nancy goes over to see Chief McGinnis and she's like, hey, let me give you the clues that I have. Um, But the chief, I was hoping the circus would get through their three days here without any trouble, but I suppose we have to expect such things. And you're like, once anything that can cause trouble gets within a certain radius of Nancy Drew, that shit is going to ramp up. So just know that. Um, they start to look for him. She tells him that she's interested in Hitch, etc. Lolita's there. Uh, she goes to talk to Dan. He's like, I want you to fill in for her. The thing is that um, Elron is deeply suspicious of Nancy, knowing that she is not a true Scientologist, and is like, she is not, I don't want her here. I don't want her anywhere near my circus. And so they know that. So Nancy basically is going to have to disguise herself as somebody else so that she can get the actual job. Um, they have... The equestrian troop has been told that if they don't replace the injured rider within, like, 30 minutes, that they're going to be dismissed. Like, the he's just being a total dick for the purpose of being a total dick. I know that he thinks that Lolita is the main drive for the circus, but it's it's a real dick move to be like, well, one of you got hurt, and you can't ride anymore, so fuck all of you. But anyway, so Nancy comes in. She decides to try it out. Um... And, of course, whenever she tries out with the equestrian troop, what they're doing, they're like, oh, you know, you, you're a fantastic amateur. Um, but, of course, the, the ringmaster is being a total dick. Of course. Of course. Anyway. Um, Pietro says that um, I, I'm going to tell you something that I don't even tell dare to tell Lolita she would be worried sick. I was walking past Mr. and Mrs. Croon's trailer a little while ago. I believe they thought nobody was around. Mrs. Croon was crying and saying to her husband, the money won't do us any good if people find out where it came from. So Nancy's like, the Croons might have secretly gained possession of money which did not rightfully belong to them. And I'm like, that is heavily implied, but okay. Like, did they murder somebody for money? Uh, I guess that's another thing that it could have been. I like that Nancy's like, I'm going to go with the least villainous of all the options for what you just said, but okay. So, um, um, Bess and George, she tries to get in touch with them. So, yeah, because they need to find Carson. There's, there's something that they need to specifically ask him or whatever, but about the England thing. Um, they take Nancy to get fitted for her costume. She gets on the horse. Nancy actually during this time whenever she's displaying what she can do and what she can't do like she falls off the horse several times which I really like like they're like can you do this and so she attempts it and falls off the horse okay let's try again and it's like after several attempts she finally like got the rhythm of it and I'm like thank you for actually showing her not being absolutely 100% perfect at something the first time she attempts it like she does actually have to try it and she had several more spills uh she was on a horse when somebody else jumped onto the back of the horse and she she couldn't do it um, Nancy has to, um, after she's practiced, 
Elrond says he's going to come back and, and see their practice to, he's like, I'll be back in like 10 minutes and I want to, or like half an hour or some shit. Um, and he's like, let me, or an hour, 40, 45 minutes. He, he agrees on 45 minutes after they ask for an hour. So because they put Bess on the horse, because again, Bess is okay with horses. She's just like, but none of this trick shit. So Mr. So Elrond comes in and they're like, Oh, I, I'm the replacement rider. So, they take Nancy to the makeup artist who makes Nancy look like Bess, except for, of course, the fact that Bess is a little bit, weighs a little bit more than Nancy, but otherwise they look very similar to each other. And they give her a blonde rinse. I don't think they ever before this, like, I think that Bess is always depicted as having lighter hair than Nancy, but anyway, so they make her a little bit more blonde. Um, they found Carson who, let's see, Carson and Eloise are actually coming to see the evening performance where Nancy's going to be doing her horseback riding. So she's like, yeah, I get to show off my horseback riding. Yeah. Um, let's see. Hitch has disappeared. The cops tried to track him down and he's gone. So that's cool. Um, Nancy performs looking like, looking as close to best as she can. Um, Elrond is like, okay, I'll allow it. It's fine. Nancy asks Lolita if she knows anything about money, but, um, Lolita's like, no, I was, I was told that basically my parents died without any money and they didn't really leave any of the inheritance to me or, or anything. So basically to provide for herself, she's been told that she has to do this, like to pay her adopted father back for everything he's been doing for her. But anyway, so Nancy has a special costume that she's supposed to wear and she goes to get her makeup done. And when she goes and she's waiting for like somebody to, I think the makeup artist is going to get something. And when Nancy comes back, she sees Hitch holding her fucking costume. And she's like, I've got to have that costume. I've got to have that fucking costume. Like that's the only one that, that I can wear for this. And so she chases him. They can't find him. They eventually, somebody reports that they saw him put a box under, like, the stadium seats or something. And so they find that. Um, so finally, like, two seconds before she's supposed to be up, she she's able to put on her costume. They do the the little, like, the parade around the circus ring. And so she's able to wave to her. Her, um, her father's there. And Eloise is there. Bess and George are there. Ned's there. And they're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. They're excited for her. But anyway. Um, let me think. Oh, and then somebody throws a fucking baseball from in the crowd at, during the horse performance. And so there was a cry though, that somebody saw it and cried out and they saw it before it came over them. And so they were able to pull the horse to the tan bark, which I was like, tan bark. Okay. And lay down. The speeding ball sailed over their heads and landed beyond the ring. So it didn't actually hit anybody. Thank goodness. But yeah, yeah. Because Nancy is a good luck charm. So Nancy is supposed to be actually at the circus, like she's not allowed to leave, um, which she didn't know that. She was like, I, I need, I don't even have any fucking clothes with me. And they're like, send for clothes because you got to stay your ass here. Like he doesn't let circus performers just like mill about in the countryside. And I'm like, it's the free winds. But anyway, um, so Nancy has, oh, <laughs> before this happens, like she tells, she's like, I need, I need Hannah to pack a bag for me, but it's okay. Um, Nancy slid into an empty seat beside Ned. She whispered that she would like him to accompany her on a little sleuthing expedition. And I was like, tell me that that is code for we're going to go have a quickie. But anyway, of course, where to? Roberto Stables. 
They come up on Roberto's stables. They hear the horse whinnying and sounding like it's upset. Um, they see somebody leading the horse away and then getting on the horse. So Nancy and Ned give chase in his car. Um, he sees that they're pursuing him and heads across the field. Ned's like, fuck it, goes into the field. And Nancy's like, this seems bad, though. But Ned actually does successfully travel through the field in his car. They get to a stream. They have to get out at that point. Um, let's see. Nancy calls for the horse to come back because, of course, it's the horse that she's been riding. The horse comes back to her. The guy's trying to pull him back, and it's Hitch. So, Nancy, um, let's see. They got a little bit separated. Um, let's see. She, because she gets the horse. And when she comes back, she sees Ned and Hitch both lying unconscious in a small clearing. <laughs> um, dismounting, Nancy rushed to Ned's side first, and you're like, hell yeah, she did. He was beginning to revive. Nancy chafed his wrists and forehead, and presently he opened his eyes. I wonder if she was like, if you wake up, we'll have time for sex. Anyway, Ned, I'm so thankful you're all right, Nancy said, helping him to sit up. Where's Hitch? She asked immediately. Right here, Nancy said, and pointed just next to him. So apparently, um, Hitch was trying to choke Ned out, but Ned managed to get out a punch before he did, so they knocked each other out. It was mutually assured destruction. That's fine. So they managed to get him back. The police have shown up because yeah yeah um nancy goes upstairs and finds roberto who has been like fucking hogtied actually ned goes upstairs and finds him and and then he's like nancy come quick so she sees that he's been fucking hogtied up there um it also looks like he's been whipped across the chest as well as his face and neck which is some fucked up shit he had been going through detox with thetans anyway so they take him to the hospital um so that he can recover from that they ask hitch about what the fuck he's been up to and he's like i hate that circuit like they have to keep grilling him and he's like i hate the circus circuses are evil but anyway like he's basically been causing everything but he completely says that he did not tie up roberto he was like why no i um no no so nancy's like that's strange also i mean you lied about a lot of other things but anyway so Nancy has to get back. Um, Nancy's like, punch it, Ned. And so, of course, they get called, pulled over by a cop who was like, oh, I love this. Oh, officer, I'm one of the circus reformers and I have to get back for the finale at once. The motorcycle policeman looked at the girl intently for a moment then said, if you hadn't told me that, I would have said you were Nancy Drew of River Heights. Both Ned and Nancy laughed. The girl admitted that she was Nancy Drew and quickly told the officer about her part in the circus and the reason for it. What's more, Ned added, Nancy has just captured that stableman the police were looking for. So, Nancy took the time to actually tell him the story, but the officer said that he would not ticket Ned for speeding his ass off and would lead them to the circus. So, they get there in time for them to go through and do the parade and everything. So. Yeah. I love it. It's like, you, our most famous couple, you have a key to the city. <laughs> anyway. They're going to Danville, Danford next. So they're packing up to leave and everything. Nancy's got her suitcase. Uh, and that's when she's like, Ned, can you go to my house and get handed a pet me a suitcase? Um, so they head to Danford. Let's see. There's an old clown who has a scrapbook. He's And he shows Nancy a picture of John and Lola Flanders, who are very talented. Um, there's some newspaper clippings. It never says whether Lola Flanders was recovered. It says that she was taken... The clown says that one story was that Lola Flanders was taken to England and disappeared. 
Um, and then Nancy asks about money, and Sanders, the old clown, is like, the couple amassed a fortune with our brilliant act. Whatever became of the money, no one knows. Some of the folks around here who don't like Croon hint that maybe he's handling it, and Lolita will never get it. So Nancy's like, how how did they make money? Because the circus is like notorious for just being a money pit. And the old clown is like, John and Lola were very popular with the nobility and other aristocrats in Europe. They were often asked to give special command performances outside the circus. They were exceedingly well paid for this. A certain queen was particularly fond of Lola. She had given her beautiful jewelry, including a unique bracelet. When I read this, I was like, uh-huh, tell me everything. Because my queer theory radar is going off. Um, anyway. So she, he specifically describes the horse bracelet with the six horses on it. And so, yeah, yeah. He says, I don't think the one that Lolita wears is real. It doesn't glisten as much as it's so family made as the ones I saw on her mother's bracelet. And so Nancy's like, huh, huh, I'll get my bracelet and compare them. Um, but she finds out that actually her bracelet is, she gave Hannah her bracelet for safekeeping and the bracelet has been stolen. Lolita and Pietro have decided to elope. Of course they fucking have. They've got a second to get off the free winds. Their passports and everything have been confiscated, but damn it, they're gonna get married. Anyway, Nancy's like, um, maybe don't do that. And Nancy's like, I think, I think we gotta stay here. I think that Lolita's mom is still alive. I think there's some sort of fraud and connection to money, and I think that Mr. Croon's responsible for it, and I think that if you leave, like, that's going to throw everything into chaos. So, just stay here for a little while longer. So, and they're like, damn it. Anyway. So, let's see. Hitch has uh, actually admitted to everything except for hurting Roberto, of course. Nancy decides that she's going to go see Aunt Eloise. Um, because, actually, they received some information. Of, they were asking about Lola Flanders, actually. Because, um... Apparently, somebody named Lola Flanders has been getting mail at a talent agency, and so Nancy goes up there to track that down. Um, there is a person who is going under the Lolita stage name, so Nancy tracks her down. But anyway, I don't think that happens quite yet. It's okay. Let's see. Um, Nancy does go to Lolita and asks about the horse charm. Um, and Lolita's looking for the horse charm when, of course, L. Ron Hubbard comes in and freaks out and sees that Nancy's there. And he's like, you little double crosser. No, no, no. You get out and you stay out. No, 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 no. Um, Nancy tells him that she will leave because he's just losing his absolute shit. And um, she's like, I think you stole my fucking bracelet, you piece of shit. Uh, his eyes blazed. He said that he ought to have Nancy arrested for accusing him of being a thief. It was defamation of character. It was only because of her age that he would not prosecute. And you're like, sure, sweetie, sure. Now get out of here. Lolita, go to your quarters. If you ever dare to communicate with Nancy Drew again, I'll punish you in a way you'll never forget. And I was like, I don't like any part of that, bitch. But okay. So, um, Nancy goes to Dan, who is like, I don't, I don't know what's... Um, he has found out that Rosa's not going to be able to ride for, like, at least a month. Um, he asks her to finish out the week. They will just make sure she's still in disguise the entire time. Um, Nancy asks Dan to go talk to Elron and see if he can say, like, people have been noticing that things have been stolen around the circus. And so he does that, and Nancy stands outside and watches, and she sees that his eyes dart to a particular bureau drawer. Um... So she decides to go to that. 
Um, they find out about the talent agency. Nancy decides to call her aunt and see if her aunt can um, do anything about that. Um, the oh, and the other thing they found out was that apparently a a boy took a package to a some sort of mail drop or something. Um, and Nancy's pretty sure that because of everything, that is probably her bracelet. So Nancy's like, Nancy goes to a phone booth. She finds out the phone is out of order. She asks, she says, I'll ask George to run down to headquarters and take my message to the chief to intercept the mail. Um, opening the door, she was surprised to find that her phone was gone. Somebody pulls a cloth over her head and smothers her until she loses consciousness. When she comes to, um, they're on a train car. And when I say they, I mean her and George. Um, they're tied up. Nancy can tell by the rhythm of what is happening that they're on a train car. They manage to untie each other. George is like, is there some sort of like, they'd go to the door. The door is latched. George is like, maybe there's a hatch on top of the car. They try for the, Nancy's like, that's usually only on refrigerator cars, but we can try it. There's no hatch on the top of the car. They, they like collapse several times because of course it's a moving fucking train. Nancy has to stand on George's shoulders to reach the top. And she's like, yeah, there there ain't any shit up here. Then Nancy's like, maybe there's uh, a door on the other side. (laughs) So they go over to there and they find a latch and that is actually open. So, um, Nancy's like, yeah, we're going like 50 miles an hour. So we might want to just hang out for, for just a titch. So they wait until the train is slowing down to, to approach the next station and they get off the train. They find an old farmhouse. They get driven back to town. I need to, I just need to read this. Okay. They go to the state police office, the, the kindly old folks are like, oh yeah, we can take you to town because what are old folks doing? They're first off about to have breakfast and they got plenty of it. So they're going to share with you. Second, they're about to go to town. They have a pickup truck. They got plenty of space. Get in the back, bitch. Got this. So they go to the state police office. Nancy and George, um, give their names, tell them what happened to them. We haven't a shred of evidence to prove who was responsible, said Nancy, only suspicions, and the police are already working on the case, so I'm not asking your help except to get us home. We haven't a penny with us. I can do that, the officer said, smiling. He took some money from a drawer and handed it to Nancy. Return the cash when it's convenient. The girls thanked him and went to the station, boarded a train to River Heights, and reached home at nine o'clock. I read this, and I was like, it is staggering to imagine, imagine, like, this is the socialist dream of a police station, when you can walk in there and be like, hey, hey, um, due to circumstances, can you just rob the petty cash drawers so that I can get fucking home? And they're like, sure, honor system, pay us back when you can. Like, what the f- I love it. I love every part of it while completely understanding that this seems very, very white privilege and also they're, they're close to where Nancy is. Let me see. I can't remember exactly. Um, a hundred miles away from River Heights. So it's not necessarily going to be a place that they know Nancy that well. But anyway, I, I was like, holy shit. Imagine. Anyway. So yeah. Um, they get back home. Nancy's father is like, so we don't want them coming after you again. So let's just pretend that you didn't get off the train or whatever the fuck. And we'll just go straight to New York. And Nancy's like, fuck yeah. So they go there and Eloise is there. Um, let's see. (laughs) She goes to the local police because she has a letter of introduction from Chief McGinnis. And he's like, I'm glad to meet you. Chief McGinnis and I were buddies in the army some years ago. And I'm like, again, does time restart every year? Because some years ago it implied World War II, which again, at this point would have been eight years ago. So mm, interesting. Um, yeah. He tells me that you're quite a detective. Nancy blushed slightly and admitted that she had solved some cases. And I'm like, false modesty girl. 
They're looking for Lola Flanders. Um, they found out that she is a young dancer and uses the stage name of Millie Francine, but she's the one who's picking up the Lola, the Lola Flanders mail. So, um, they intercept the package that Nancy had found mailed. It's the it's the horse bracelet, but it's darker than Nancy's horse bracelet. And she's like, I don't know. It could be a copy of my horse bracelet, IDK. And Captain Smith is like, um, I think that somebody like intentionally tarnished this to make it look different just because they had stolen it from you. And so Nancy's like, huh. So they take it to a jeweler or the pawn shop to get it identified. And they're like, yeah, somebody just intentionally tarnished it. We can just polish that right off. So Nancy's like, good to know. Good to know. So. Oh, uh, let's see. Except for the, the sixth horse is now on it. And they say that whoever did this was an amateur who did a bad job at it. So the guy who originally sold the bracelet to Aunt Eloise looks up the address of the pawn shop in England where they bought it. It was signed three years ago. Uh, they decide to fly to London right away. Um, they go to talk to Pietro's father. Um, Pietro has been dismissed from the circus because, of course, L. Ron Hubbard is tightening his grasp around Lolita. Um, yeah. So, they get there. They talk to Pietro's dad. I think that Pietro actually goes with them. Um, and Ned. Ned comes up to see them off. Ned made it plain that he wanted to absorb as much of Nancy's attention as possible. And I'm like, hell yeah. I'm here for all this shit. Anyway. It would be nice to have a little send-off party at the airport. Um, let's see. Um, with the excuse that he wanted to do some shopping, Ned finally managed to get Nancy away from the apartment. And I'm like, I love it. Ned, everybody in the room is looking around at each other like, Ned wants to go shopping. Is this code for quickie? While they were having lunch in a cozy restaurant. Yes. He suddenly warned Nancy not to get any crazy ideas about staying in England permanently. Why, Ned? She said, what a funny thing to say. It's not funny at all, Ned argued. I understand Pietro is going to stay over there. Then Nancy caught on. She started to laugh and could not seem to stop. Why, Ned Nickerson, you old ninny, she said. Just because Karina told Lolita that she can't marry Pietro, there's no reason why he should want to marry me. I'm not so sure, said Ned. Way off in a foreign country after a flight across the ocean. And I'm like, is Ned flashing back to his World War II time? He's a, he's, he is a young man, but he hasn't always been. No, it's fine. Um, now, Ned, you're just being silly said Nancy sternly. I'll come back to the good old USA and bring Lola Flanders with me. Is that a promise? Ned asked her, reaching across the table for her hand in marriage. Then he put, then she put her own hand in his and said, yes, that's a promise. And I'm like, what did you just promise? Because, I mean, on the surface, this is just a ridiculous exchange, but I also love the, the subtext is basically like, I want you to come back to me, which again, she's just gonna go. Anyway, that's hilarious. So, um, they go, they actually get over, <laughs> they go to the airport, which is hilarious. Um, a six engine craft swooped and it was the largest one any of them had ever seen. And they watched in fascination as the pilot landed at my, she's a beauty. Ned exclaimed admiringly. I love that. Like Ned, maybe Ned was air force in world war two. We don't know. We just don't know. Anyway, Nancy sees somebody running off with her fucking luggage, f like, chases after him. Nobody else sees it. Um, Nancy chases after him. She's like, stop, stop. Nobody does anything. She's like, stop, thief. And people suddenly do actually turn to look. Um, the person drops her bag. She notices that, like, the corner of her robe is peeking out. It's a pink flowered robe. I was like, because it's Ned's favorite. No, it's fine. Um... So she opened up her bag to see what the hell was going on. She took, she hurried to a women's lounge and sat down in a chair, opened up her overnight case and opened it wide. 
Acrid fumes rose from among the disarrayed clothes and toilet articles. An open bottle lay in their midst. Before Nancy could close the lid, she began to to cough and choke. The next moment, the acid affected her eyes. I can't see, Nancy groaned in alarm. Fucking hell! So the fumes got to her. Um, She goes to the airport infirmary, who is like like identifies what it is basically by smell and is like oh shit and then he gets what she needs to basically negate the effects of it she's like is am i am i gonna be is this permanent and the doctor's like no no it's it's fine if you had like put the acid directly in your eyes yeah it would have fucked you up but you just got some fumes Uh, you know your eyes just need some time to rest but it's gonna be fine um of course ned Carson, everybody else in the group is just standing out there looking at that gorgeous ass plane and they're like, some idiot girl was carrying acid in her bag and now her eyes are hurt. And they were like, where's Nancy? <laughs> like immediately. They go inside. Um, Would you mind carry- telling me why you were carrying that deadly acid with you? <laughs> anyway, So they go inside, they see her. Um, They, of course, have not yet found who did this. They get on the plane. I love that Ned is not like, you can't do this. Somebody put acid in your bag. He's just like, I'm I'm not even going to try to. It's fine. So, um, they go to the pawn shop. They ask for a description of the woman. It matches with the description of the woman who they think they're following. Um, it sounds like the same person that Pietro saw. They decide to um, look around at local nursing homes. So, there are apparently... 10 nursing homes in the area. They call all of them. The last home they came to was a very shabby place. The house was in disrepair and in need of painting. Unlike others in the neighborhood, it had a weedy, rundown garden. The woman who answered Nancy's not proved to be the owner of the home. Um, she was as shabby looking as her place, but one of her patients was named Lola Flanders. Um, Mrs. Ayers tells Nancy that Lola Flanders has amnesia, so there's no point in Nancy asking her any questions. And Nancy's like, seems suspicious, but okay. So she asks if she can just talk to her anyway. Um, They go talk to her, and what she finds out is that, let me see, if the description of Mr. Jones is the person who brought her 10 years ago to to be housed at Mrs. Ayers' place, because apparently Mrs. Ayers has a very small nursing home. Um, Mr. Jones was kind of slow paying about a year ago, like I didn't get any money from him, so she took Lola to pawn the bracelet, and that was the money that she took. She And she apologizes. She's like, look, you know how it is. Like, I I can't I can't keep somebody here for nothing. And Nancy's like, I'm going to get it. It's fine. Um, so while... It's interesting because in the book she's coded as somebody who could be a villain pretty easily, but she seemed very, she seems sincere in everything she says. It's like she's hard up for cash. She understood that things were a little bit sketch. Also, Mr. Jones provided uh, a physician who came up to visit like every like few months or whatever and would provide a large quantity of white powder that Lola was supposed to take every three days or whatever. And Nancy's like, uh-huh, sure. So, yeah. It's like, she seems forgetful and, and kind of childlike, but I think that her medicine might have something to do with it, but okay. Um, and Nancy's like, yeah, I think so. Um, she also acts very paranoid as though she's afraid that at any moment somebody could be overhearing her. And Nancy's like, again, that actually seems to be completely, uh, yeah, that, that seems nice. Um, so she goes to talk to her. Um, all the markers point to the fact that Lola Flanders is the real Lola Flanders. But she had been told that her daughter died when she was very young. And so she recognizes the bracelet. She knows Pietro and Pietro's father. She basically knows Pietro's father. Um, 
whenever she's like, uh, Nancy's like, yeah, I think that your daughter's still alive. She's like, oh my God, my daughter's still alive. And she's like, I, I need to do my hair. I, I can't go see her like this. So they, they do up her hair and they, um, put her fanciest dress on her. Actually, she has to borrow one from the owner of the nursing home. So that was, that was cute. Um, also Pietro, um, the elder one, Pietro's dad is like, oh my God, you look wonderful. And, and gives her a kiss and she blushes. And I'm like, mm, matchmaking. Yes. Yes. Anyway. So they head back to the United States. Everything is excited. They're, they're all just very excited because they get to bring Lola's Lola to see her daughter, Lolita. They haven't told Lolita yet. When they get off the plane, they have a telegram from Bess that says Lolita badly injured. We'll meet you. Hotel Coles in New York with details. And Nancy's like, shit. And then immediately she's like, this feels wrong. So she, she calls Bess and Bess is like, I don't, I haven't tell it. Everything seems to be fine. And Nancy's like, yeah, this is a trap. So um, the cops go to Hotel Coles and they, um, ooh, the thing that happens before that is that they take Loli, Lola back to Eloise's apartment. Nancy has an errand that she has to run. Eloise has an errand that she has to run. Um, so they're like, are you okay spending time by yourself? She, Nancy's trying to find about the checks and talk about the, um, and talk to the police and everything. When she goes back, she finds that Lola is gone, that somebody actually came to the apartment and took her. They go to Hotel Coles because that seemed like the, the place. Um, but before that, and actually Ned is still in town, which I love. Um, so Nancy decides that she's going to find out where, um, remember how the person who was posing as Lola was Millie Francine? Like she was using that name or that stage name. So she called, Nancy calls around about, um, booking, she calls theater booking agents, restaurants that employ dancers, everything. Um, but she finds out that Bonton has, is employing Millie Francine. Nancy's like, how am I going to get in touch with her? Then the doorbell rings and Ned is there and he's like, Hey, uh, I hadn't left New York yet. Um, when I found out that you were still here, I was excited to, to come see you. And Nancy's like, how did you know that I was here? Who, who answered the phone? And it's like, oh, um, I think it was, I don't know. Whoever it was told me that you and your aunt had gone out for a few hours. Um, and so Nancy's like, oh, when you called here, then Lola is probably the one who answered the phone. Um, let's see. Um, she said, if I wanted to see you, not to come for a while because nobody would be here. And Nancy's like, that doesn't make sense. Um, it seemed to me that she said she was going out and it could have been that she was going to meet her daughter. So Nancy's afraid that she's been kidnapped, that somebody came to the door and said, let me take you to meet your daughter. And she went with them. So Nancy's like, we've got to go to the Bonton. And he's like, I'm glad to have a date, but why are you picking out like a sketch nightclub? So they <laughs> They go there, and Nancy's like, if they don't let me in, then I guess I'm going to ask for a job interview. And Ned is like, I do not care for this, but nobody fucking cared. So they were able to walk in. They find Millie Francine, who is scared, and, like, it was just to make some extra cash. I just pretended that my name was Ola Flanders. Um, Nancy asks if they will take her to the whoever she's been involved with about that. And they go to the Hotel Coles, of course. Um, and then they find Lola who had been kidnapped and, you know, thought that everything was fine. She hasn't been harmed or anything. She Tristram is the name of that person. So he flips the fuck out. The cops take him. It's fine. Um, they get to the place where the circus currently is. They find Lolita. Lolita. Oh, ooh. Nancy's like, we found your mom. Get dressed. Let's go. 
Um, and so, of course, Lolita's super excited. They, they're they trying to go... They're trying to take a circuitous route so that they're not detected. But um, they had just reached King Cat's cage. King Cat is, Cat is filled with a K. Um, when a strong hand was suddenly laid on Nancy's shoulder. It's Elrond! And he's like, you're trying to thwart me! This is the last time! So he opens up the lion's fucking cage and throws Nancy into the lion's cage. The huge lion sprang forward toward the door of the cage. Nancy fights with every ounce of her strength to get away from the insane ringmaster who was trying to push her into the cage. Lolita screamed and tried to pull her foster father away. Um, Ned was there, of course, and Pietro. Both of them come forward. Ned grasped Nancy and swung her away from the lion, the angry, confused beast, which, okay, I I like that you're putting some adjectives on there, landed one claw on the boy's hand and raked it badly. Um... The ringmaster falls away. He gets out in all the chaos. Pietro picks up a whip and, and fights the lion back. And, which I don't, I don't love that scene, but I mean, they don't kill the lion. They just get him away from the door so they can get Nancy out of there and everything. Um, yeah. Ned's hand is bleeding profusely, which she's, she's like, Ned, you have to go to the doctor. And then realizing that she had not yet thanked him for his brave rescue, she added, Ned, you saved my life. How can I ever thank you? And I'm like, girl, I know the answer to that. Ned gave a wry smile. Don't even try, Nancy. I'm only thankful that I was here to do it. And I'm like, it's going to be a lot of sex. Just just need you to know that. Uh, Nancy asked Lolita to take Ned to the doctor. She takes Pietro with her to find the ringmaster. They're unable to find him. Um, they find that Tristram is the one who actually went and fucked up um, Roberto. He had... Oh, he had mistaken... Roberto for Hitch, and I'm like, I don't, I don't actually fucking care what's, what's going on with this, but anyway, so, all the angles of the mystery are cleared up, uh, Lolita and Lola are reunited, everybody is happy, Ned and Pietro came in for, to praise them, um, and Lola is like, I want you to, I'm very excited to see you get married, so we're, they're going to have their wedding at the circus, here's the weirdest thing, Sim Circus is a stock company, and Lola owns most of the stock. So Lola owns the circus. So Croon, basically, whenever Sims would come by, like he would just listen to whatever Croon said because he had no idea and whatever because he doesn't actually own most of the stock. It didn't fucking matter. It's just that their names were on it. Um, apparently they were going through a bad patch. Um, let's see. The circus was about to fold. Lolita's father had bought the major portion of the stock. Crew knew this and kept reminding young Mr. Sims of this fact whenever he stayed around the circus too long. So, yeah, and plus, of course, the she was getting royalty checks for something related to whatever they were doing before, so she's got a lot of money. So, yay! So, they have their... They have their wedding at the circus in the middle of the ring, which, sure, sure. Um, let's see. The wedding plans have been announced to the audience, and after the finale, everybody stayed in their seat. The happy bride and her real prince were married in the great circus ring, and they walked out smiling to the tune of the Mendelssohn March. The march, the applause was thunderous, and I'm like, Nancy and I getting to see a wedding at the circus seems 100% on brand. Um, and there was a reception table, and prominent among the gifts displayed was a picture of Nancy Drew standing on a horse in her circus costume, which I love. Also, Nancy gave Lolita the horse bracelet as a wedding gift. The bracelet came from a queen, and now it has come back to one. The queen of aerialists, says the end of the book. Oh, my God. Just, just, oh, my God. So, the ringmaster's secret is, of course, that he's a dick. 
or that he's actually L. Ron Hubbard. I mean, it's fine. Uh, the next one that we're going to be looking at is almost certainly the Scarlet Slipper mystery. So we're going to be looking at that next week. So I just, there is, first off, there's a lot of places in this book where Nancy Nick could have snuck off to do it. So you know that I'm here for that shit. I'm absolutely here for that shit. I love that she did not flirt with anybody else. I love that Ned was like, you need to come back to me. And Nancy's like, yes. And I love the gender swap of that. Where it would normally have been the guy who was like, I'm going to go off and do action things. And the girl going, please come back to me. Where it's the opposite here. Where Ned's like, "Come, you're, you're going to come back, right? And Nancy's like, of course. I'm gonna, what the fuck? I'm not going to marry some random dude. It's fine. It's fine. And he doesn't. And yeah, so. And I do love that we're getting back to our roots here where Nancy is helping out a poor bereaved orphan who has been kidnapped by L. Ron Hubbard. Because... I love that that's, like, her signature move. Is like, have you been abducted by a cult? She's like, better call Saul. Have you been abducted by a cult? I'm here for you. Just call me. It's fine. Business cards, business cards. Everybody out of the circus. You're like, are you here uh, under duress? <laughs> I'm here for you. Do you have some rich relatives who you may or may not know about? Anyway. Um, Carson is also absent for almost all of this book. Carson doesn't really do that much in this book, which is fun. Um, Bess and George are around Nancy for a lot of this book, but again, it's, they're very much support staff. They're wearing the headphones and they're doing some IT work, but they're generally not being involved in that much of the action. Nancy is having to pose as Bess, which is hilarious because it's usually... Anytime the girls pose as each other, because remember in Velvet Mask, whenever George was like, oh, I will pretend to be Nancy. And then she gets her ass basically handed to her. Um, And again, within that book, like the PTSD arc is resolved because you don't really see it here. Like Nancy is fucking abducted, tied up, put on a train car with Nancy. They find themselves a hundred, a hundred miles away. And Bess is like, I'm sorry. And George is like, yeah, sure. Like this, I'm here for this shit. I live for this. And you're like, I love it. I love it. So, so that's where we're at. We're back in the fifties. All sorts of fun stuff is on the table. Nancy's going to be wearing some smart sports attire. So there's that to look forward to. And as always, stay sleuthy, my friends.